welcome to another episode of Ryan's Method Passive Income Podcast. Here's your host, Ryan Hogue. Hey, what's up, guys? Today I'm joined by Heather Studio. You may know her from her uh, awesome YouTube channel, packed full of valuable print-on-demand content uh, with more of a slant toward Etsy. But uh, Heather, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. Yeah, I'm excited to finally have you on. Um, I know you've been killing it on YouTube. Like, I remember, I, I think I told you this, but when I first saw like YouTube promoting your videos, I was like, damn, this is like another new channel coming out of nowhere, making like amazing quality content, making me look bad because you know, you have less subscribers, but your videos are really great. So I want to compliment you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's been crazy. The uh, growth my channel has had in the past year, even I remember uh, I found your YouTube channel since YouTube was suggesting that to me. And I was like, I'm never going to, you know, get to close to that. I mean, I'd be happy with a thousand subscribers. And I remember at work one day, I looked at my YouTube studio uh, account because I was working part-time still at the hospital. And I was like, I hit 1000. I was like, this is crazy. And it was two months in. So it's, it's pretty cool and a wild ride. <laughs> so what point did you get like stressed out about your number of subscribers? Like for me, when I hit 5,000, I started getting like, I don't know what to say, like just nervous about recording. Did you ever get there? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think when I hit a few thousand, that's when it, kind of became real. It was, I mean, at 1000, I was like, wow, 1000 people like me enough to subscribe. And then after a few thousand, I was like, oh my goodness, this is scary. And, you know, I'm, I started really getting like more cutting with my editing. Cause I was like, oh, I shouldn't say that. Cause you realize how many people are watching and just imagining that in like, I don't know, a stadium, you know, it's, it's insane. So yeah, that's definitely where I was when I was at 5,000 subscribers. I was like over editing everything. But you mentioned uh, you worked at a hospital. And I always like to, in case anybody doesn't know you yet, like doesn't know your background story with how you got started with uh, Etsy and whatnot. I would love it if you could kind of share um, what like how you stumbled across Etsy and, and how you ended up ultimately achieving success and getting where you are today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so my story started out in 2020 during the beginning of the pandemic, when I worked at the hospital full-time as an MRI technologist, I, this was one of my first jobs ever in healthcare. And I was one of the newest people coming in. So when the pandemic first happened, of course, since I was the newest, I was the first to, uh, well, I was luckily the person that got cut hours. I wasn't laid off. I was really grateful to not be laid off. I was like, okay, I at least have, uh, but, what we did at my hospital and everyone's kind of different, at least for imaging, they cut a lot of the imaging hours to provide more hours for nursing, which was completely understandable. But at that time I bought a house too. So Mm -hmm. I got my hours cut in half and, you know, I bought a house based on making a full-time income with the salary I had. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to find a different side hustle or something online. There must be something. So I was on YouTube. I found a few YouTube videos talking about print on demand and Etsy. And I just remember I was like, wow, this is really cool that you don't have to have any inventory. I've always wanted to be a t-shirt designer. When I was younger, I used to draw t-shirts in like a sketchbook and I made designs for them. But then I trashed it all because I was like, no, this will never happen. I'm never serious enough to put a few thousand dollars down on inventory. So 
it, entrepreneurship is just not for me because I, that risk factor, I'm just not about, I guess. I don't know. But now I'm more of a risk taker, of course. But at that time, I was like, I, I don't want to put a few thousand dollars down, especially with the pandemic, things like that. So when I found print on demand, it was the answer to my like entrepreneur heart in a way. So mm-hmm. I uh, tried Etsy for a little bit. And I started selling neck gaiters when people were looking for masks at that time. I opened my shop in 2020 and that's, that's kind of what I focused on primarily. And I had a few sales come in within my first few weeks on the neck gaiters and I was so ecstatic about it. But then I realized that the print on demand providers I was using at the time were delayed in production by like three, four weeks almost. So customers, yeah. And customers were getting their items so late that I, I just knew from all the videos I've watched about Etsy and starting and scaling a new store on Etsy, it, all of those YouTubers said, Hey, if you get bad reviews, it's not good for a new store on Etsy. And I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to them. I'm just going to close my store. This is just a sign. It's not for me. Also, Etsy came out with, you couldn't title anything that was mask related. They were taking down after a few months of uh, the pandemic. So there, it was like two signs for me. I was like, okay, I should quit while I'm ahead. It's not going to work out. And I'm going to get permanently banned from Etsy at some point here for my three to four week production time and selling masks on Etsy. So I just said, nope, not for me. Closed my store. And I got my hours back full time at the hospital I was working at, which I was, again, I, I was just so happy I had my hours back. But over time, I realized that my happiness levels went down again, and I couldn't really figure out why. And I think it's just having that taste of Etsy and getting a few initial sales hit me that I I just wanted to start my own business at this point. I wanted more control over my income, over my life, and the, kind of the, the same story we all it started out with it in some aspect, you know, where it's like, I just want more control on my, over my life. I don't want that. You know, I thought the a hospital job was stable and come to find out even with a pandemic or, you know, any economic like thing that could happen. It, it's not a stable job as much as I thought it was. So hence anyways, fast forward to January, mm-hmm. 2021. I decided to restart my business. And so I reopened my Etsy store that I initially had a few sales on for masks. Etsy did message me about a warning on my account for having masks initially. So I started out with a flag on my account. And I, in January, I just started posting. I posted 100 different designs on products. uh, So 100 different listings within January. And it was crickets for sales. I thought that I, I already skipped the period of time that I had a chance on Etsy. I was like, oh, I wish I cut my store open in 2020 now because I didn't get any sales in January of 2021 until like the last two days of January, I got one sale. And it, it was from a random stranger, completely organic. And I was just so <laughs> ecstatic about it. I was like, wow, this is awesome. So cool. I finally got a sale. And uh, then it really gave me a lot of motivation to keep posting new listings. I kept posting. I got to, I think, 300 listings on Etsy by April, March or April time. Mm-hmm. And by the end of 2021, I earned over 250K in revenue. 
Um, after two years now, I'm at 450K in revenue, um, which has been a full-time income the past two years uh, on top of being on YouTube now. So it's, it's pretty cool that uh, now I can say I quit my nine to five. Um, I worked part-time in healthcare for a while because I was still scared of operating on one income, <laughs> even mm -hmm. though Etsy was providing an incredible income for me at that point. Um, in 2021, I dropped down to part-time. In 2022, I stayed part-time until May, until my, my manager came up to me and said, hey, um, you know, you're asking to like basically not work. Do you just want to quit like completely? <laughs> because I was I was asking for like, I was like, ah, oh, I can work like maybe one day every two weeks at this point with how busy I am with like my other business, you know, and he, he just came up to me and said, Hey, you know, you can quit. You don't have to stay. You have a full-time business. And I, and I just realized, I guess I should quit. So now here I am, I do Etsy and print on demand full-time and then I teach Etsy and print on demand. So yeah, that's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing. I know it's going to like inspire a lot of people who maybe are like hoping to, you know, follow in your footsteps, but are at an earlier point in time. I'm trying to think like, what would somebody think? You're like, you're like me, you hung on like a lot later than you probably should have. Uh, mm -hmm. At least you were part time, like for me. Granted, I was a web developer. So I mean, I was at a computer all day. And you know, my job was easy. So but I'm like the type of person that like was monetizing my time, let's put it that way, my spare time. So I was always working on like other ways to make money because my thought process was like, hey, if I'm at this job to make money, then I'm going to make money while I'm here, you know, and what, what is what, what do you think if you're giving advice to somebody like is the right time to consider moving to your, you know, part, whatever, I guess you could say side hustle, making that full time and, and leaving the nine to five? Yeah, I think just uh, sitting down and budgeting, first of all, and looking at what lifestyle you want to live, what is your necessity of a budget that you need, like absolute like rent, bills, food, it if you're hitting above that and then also like the lifestyle that you want to live, I feel like that should be a good indicator of when it's time to quit. At least for me, I sat down and I budgeted and I, I looked at my Excel spreadsheet and I was like, I'm making well over my, my lifestyle. I want to live. I mean, for me, of course I want to pay rent. I want to pay bills, um, you know, food and everything, but also like, you know, I like to go to the gym you know, five days a week. So I'm like, I want to budget for that. That's the lifestyle I want to live. And then also save money for retirement and stuff. So I, I budgeted all of that. And I was like, okay, I'm making enough for all these goals I want to attain. And I think it's a good time for me to go, <laughs> you know, and I, I was still making extra money at the hospital. But it, at the time that it freed up by me quitting to scale my business more was much more worth it for me that I realized, Hey, I can scale my business a lot more and a lot quicker if I quit. And that was the moment that I realized, okay, I'm just going to quit. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think sometimes it's like almost the decision becomes obvious. Hopefully for a lot of people, that's the case. Like when you start realizing how much money your time's worth and you start realizing like, like for me, I, I left my nine to five, but I kept my part-time job teaching and when they wanted me to go back to campus, which it was what I did like the first, I think like five years, I was there for seven and a half. Wow. I was like, it doesn't make sense for me to go just because the amount of time it's going to take me relative to what I make, you know, they don't pay adjunct professors nearly enough. 
it just didn't make any sense. It made the the decision to to not go back like pretty easy, even though it they did actually try to keep me on at the end, like for an on, another online section. But I was kind of like I had said my piece. I was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the rest is history, though. It's been great. And so you mentioned like you weren't necessarily comfortable stepping away with just, you know, you don't want over reliance on one income stream, even if it's like you working for yourself. It can be fickle. Like I've been I've been kicked off Etsy in 2019. I had to make a new LLC, go through that whole thing of getting back on like. Do you have any other uh, complimentary income streams related to your Etsy shop where you, I always call it like the double down, you know, I make this design, sell it on Etsy. Are you selling on like eBay, Amazon, anything else? So I am not when I, so initially in 2021, that's what I was thinking as well. I was like, okay, well, you know, I have this Etsy shop. I've heard about Etsy closing down shops and my store was closed down twice. So the first time was because my mom, she created her own Etsy account and she favorited one of my items in my own shop. And at that time, Etsy shut me down for two weeks because it was inauthentic. They claimed it as, but it was just my mom favoriting an item and supporting my shop, but she was under the same IP address as me. So they thought that I created a fake account when it was again, just my mom. So that happened. And that made me realize, Hey, I don't want to be on one platform. If I'm going to quit my full-time job, I want a second type of income stream. So I did start a Shopify uh, store and I grew the Shopify business to like, I want to say 35 K in revenue it was about like 7k take home profit within like my first six months. And that was my first time like playing around with like Facebook ads, Instagram ads, uh, marketing just in total. And that was a really great experience. But, um, ultimately I started when I started kind of growing on YouTube and I got monetized on YouTube, I was just like, you know what, Shopify or YouTube or Etsy. And I narrowed it down to, Hey, Etsy and YouTube are probably my most stable income streams. Shopify, I wasn't seen as stable. So um, that's one of the reasons why I was like, well, the hospital job was my fourth income stream. And that's why I quit that because of the time management aspect. Um, but yeah, I, I guess hopefully that, that kind of answers um, as far as platforms. I agree with that. I think it's really good to do a second platform um, and not put all of your eggs in one basket. And I, I loved watching your YouTube channel when I found you because you were teaching about Amazon Merch and Amazon FBA and Amazon I never tapped into. So um, I, I think it's really awesome that you teach like multiple platforms and not just one. So yeah, I got lucky because I found out about Amazon Merch when I started FBA. And FBA I ended up just like paying somebody to teach me. And with merch and FBA kind of going in parallel, even though they're separate, like you log in different places and stuff. Like I felt like I could test things on merch just to like learn the algorithm and kind of feel like how, how it handled like keywords and whatnot um, in parallel with like FBA, where you want to launch a listing, you got to provide a UPC code. And I mean, that's that, you know, not doing print on demand on seller central yet. And then months later it hits me like, oh, I could take my Seller Central account and start listing print-on-demand products, take the same designs and just throw them up on the, either the same products or I did a lot of like coffee mugs because I used um, Gearbubble initially. They were the first company I found that had the Amazon integration. Wow. And yeah, a little double down and a little bit of extra income. I didn't have any crazy success stories, but it's one of those things where like 
I just grinded. Like I, I am a self-proclaimed grinder. Like I will see the like long-term goal and show up every day and put in like the manual work. And like, even to this day without any huge successes on seller central, like I still make, you know, good money. You know what I mean? Like people would probably be happy with like, it, it probably ranges. Like often it's been around a thousand dollars profit a week. Um, which isn't that much for six years of, of pushing products, but at the same time, it's like, that's, you know, that adds up over time. So yeah, pretty happy with that. Yep. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Just like diversifying your income streams, even if it's not a completely strong one, you still have that extra income stream that adds on to the other ones that it's like, okay, this is more stable than, you know, um, going back to the full-time job scenario it's more stable than a full-time job, right? I mean, to have multiple pretty good income streams. So yeah, they add up and uh, yeah, yeah, I worked for a small tech company too, which like <laughs> they're still around, but it, it definitely felt fickle at times, you know what I mean? To, it didn't feel like the most stable of jobs, but um, I wanted to ask you yeah. like, if you're, if you're prioritizing Etsy and that's what, you know, you became like a true subject matter et expert on Etsy. Did you ever do like, um, how did you handle, like, if you had a winning design, did you, add the same design to like other product types, anything similar like that, maybe a shirt and then a mug or something else? Oh yeah. Um, so I love scaling in that way. I like, if I have a best-selling design, I take it to tank tops, long sleeve shirts, crew necks, hoodies, uh, mugs, you know, it, that's one of my favorite scaling methods is just taking that winning design to multiple product types. And I assume mm. is it, I've heard that about Amazon merch that they do that as well, where they take like the best design and that's it. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard that they will take it to like a mug and a hoodie as well. Kind of what I'm describing as far as like my scaling method. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, so I can tell you how merch does it. They, when you upload the design, they kind of made the shift and they made it better um, a couple of years back. And it's like that design has like an ID that it's not public facing, but essentially like, you can publish it to just a shirt. And if it's successful, you can go in and later and say like, okay, make it available on all 14 products. They don't have mugs yet, by the way, but they have a lot of like complimentary kind of apparel stuff. Um, and if you do that, then they'll recognize that like this design is now available on these products. And if you scroll down be below the like top half of the Amazon listing, it'll show it on all the other products. So it's smart that they finally like kind of figured that out and made that possible. But um. Yeah. Like how, how, uh, how were you doing it? And did you do it on like the same Etsy listing or did you split it out into other listings? I split it out into other listings. So like if one design was doing well, I'd just uh, go on Printify's backend. I would add that design or choose whatever product I thought that people might want to buy instead of one. And also I had a lot of customers that just e that messaged me or emailed me and said, Hey, can you make this design on a tank top and even um, like friends and family, they were like, Hey, uh, can you make that like on a mug for me as a gift for so-and-so? And I was like, I never thought of that. Let me uh, make that into a listing. And then I'd send them the listing. It'd get a purchase initially from me making that custom like request. So then those listings, those new listings I bring out from requests would do really well. I had one listing that, someone asked for a custom request on for a different product type that I hadn't done previously for that design. And I sent it to them. That listing ended up being a bestseller within like the next few weeks <laughs> because one person bought it, it boosted it. And then a mm -hmm. lot of other people just bought it. So it was really cool. So 
definitely if you get customer requests for anyone who's watching who has an Etsy business, um, always take those requests, make them into an actual listing and not just like a custom listing, like a public listing that anyone can buy because that will like really boost listings quick. Yeah, I agree. I've had like one of my biggest Etsy success stories was something that like it was even better. It was they sent me basically like a niche. They just said, I want to buy this and I can't find it anywhere. Will you just throw it up on a T-shirt? And it was a customer that was like kind of a pain to deal with. They just would constantly message you, you know, and um, but I always was like, all right, I need the sales, whatever, you know, they because they had bought a couple things before that. And yeah, it ended up similar story, just like just a T-shirt, the design they sent me threw it up there and uh, repeat bestseller. So. I think wow. I did a YouTube video on it years ago. Um, so what's like one tip, by the way, like you're, you're out here, like in the coaching streets, you see a lot of people learning Etsy, learning the ropes, like based on what you see, what is one thing that you could maybe pass along uh, to everybody watching to like really up their game and, you know, increase their Etsy presence? Yeah. Um, I think the number one tip I have is to really focus on your thumbnail mock-up image. I think it seems so simple and maybe, I guess, apparent to a lot of people, but I think that main mock-up image is ultimately what's going to sell your listing at the end of the day. So having a really high quality mock-up and investing in mock-ups. When I first began, I remember I looked at mock-ups and I thought to myself, I can't believe it's $3 to buy this digital product, <laughs> you know, and over time I realized how really important it was to really like invest in the mock-ups, get some more high quality ones. I think Etsy is just a very competitive aesthetic market, so to speak. So those main image thumbnails really do sell your product. Um, so I guess that's like my main uh, tip that I try to kind of say on my channel and even anywhere uh, is just to really focus on those main thumbnail images because your SEO could be, I, I mean, SEO is important as well. Like I think the tags are important, but you know, you'll see bestsellers that have really poor titles, but they're bestsellers because of the thumbnail image and then the tags. So that's something that I've noticed recently that, you know, I guess that's just my main tip. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense though. Cause like, they're going to probably prioritize more the highest conversion rate listings like would make a lot of sense. Like they, they put this in front of people, it gets clicked and then it converts. Even if the SEO is, is bad, not even good, but just bad. Like if it's converting at a high clip, I think the algorithm's like, all right, we're still going to throw you in front of the right people. So yeah, yeah that's great advice. And I, I guess I wanted to ask like any secret places where maybe people can go to get like the hidden mock-ups that are performing well. I'm just, I just, I'm curious myself. I usually buy them off Etsy, but anywhere else. Etsy is my number one. Uh, I've tried other places and I think Etsy has always been the one that finds me the best, like best-selling mock-ups out of anywhere else. Um, my best sellers have all, all the mock-up images I've used is from Etsy. So. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's basically where mine are from. I've done, I've tried to shoot my own too, but I realized that I suck at, at film. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but that was a fun experience. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, I guess, any thoughts on like the future of print on demand? It's 2023, which still blows my mind uh, that it's already 2023 and we're two months in. Like, where are we going to be next year or the year after? Is there any way like 
we can get ahead. You know, I'm sure people that are watching would love to know your thoughts. Yeah, I think for me personally, what I see as something that's growing is personalization and embroidery. And that's always been a part of Etsy. I feel like that's why people flock to it the most. But if we're talking about print on demand in the industry and going forward to grow with print on demand and Etsy, I think that a lot of print on demand businesses uh, and companies are trying to incorporate embroidery because they see that's more of a in-demand thing on Etsy. So I think kind of going that path, if you're able to, and you find a company like I think Printful has embroidery right now, there's AOP I've heard. Um, I don't know if you know of any other embroidery print on demand companies, Ryan, outside of that. Um, but I, and then personalization as well. I think personalization is just something a lot of people are going to want. Of course, it's not as much of that passive income model that a lot of people go into print on demand for, but I think it's going to get really high in demand as we go forward. And if you're really looking for that long-term growth in sales interaction, it as starting as a new business or you're already a business on Etsy that's doing well, I think offering that personalization for a print on demand business would really separate you from the rest. So, um, and then also AI, right? I mean, AI is like big right now and doing like some sort of AI artwork, maybe on t-shirts and sweatshirts and using AI for like your tags and titles. I wouldn't say it's like the best <laughs> fully yet, but I know I've been playing around with it just for like descriptions on my listings that it's been mm -hmm. doing pretty well for the descriptions, but outside of like tags and titles, I've still just went to Etsy and looked at bestsellers and kind of uh, plugged and played certain phrases that I've seen work for others. So. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And it's, it is interesting with AI. Like I'm wondering I think my personal opinion is like, cause AI is so buzzworthy. I think like I see more of a direct benefit to like us, the sellers with regards to probably SEO before I think it's gonna like make us a bunch of money on the artwork side of things. That's just a hunch, you know, cause there's, there's like good human made artwork too, but just cause you have a good graphic doesn't mean you're just going to make a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, but there's probably some like interesting ways to use the AI for art too, that like maybe I'm overlooking. Like Alec had that video about AI stickers and that was actually a great, he showed to use like, um, not night cafe, the other one. And, uh, like you can tell it basically the, the design style and it cranked out like great looking, um, graphics. But I was going to say, um, my designs, um, their AI, they rolled it out, I think two weeks ago for like titles and tags. And they, one thing I, Curtis told me was that like the more they train the AI with more like Etsy listing data, the better it gets. So you know, he said right now it's like 80%, gets you about 80% of the way there. And I, I mean, wow. in my experiments, it's been pretty good so far. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that about my design. So I'll have to check that out next because I think those are going to take print on demand and Etsy just to the next level where you're not uh, doing as much of the manual process. That's the time consuming process. I like when I started in 2021, I was just writing out all of my tags and that took a really long time, even doing the research and learning. So kind of just doing the copy and paste is really, really helpful or the AI, like my design. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. I feel spoiled because I definitely had like, I think about 1200 listings that I had done personally, like just 
like making the wow. images, tags, titles. Yeah. I mean, granted, like I said, I was at work doing a lot of them too, but you know, uh, yeah. way, a lot of time and yeah, I feel spoiled now. You can just click like copy tags sometimes and just copy paste it over and it's definitely nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Heather, um, it's been great talking to you. Uh, obviously I'm going to link Heather's YouTube channel at the very top of the description, Heather studio. Uh, how many subscribers you at right now? I think it's at 38 K I just hit yesterday. So yeah. Well, congrats on getting that far. You'll be at 50 K <laughs> before you know it. And then hundred K. Um, thanks for being here though. Everybody go check out her channel. Your videos are really like well done, well put together. The first one I ever saw, I was like, damn it, this is making me look bad. Cause no. already so high quality and I don't edit my videos like as much as I should, you know, probably. So, um, I do appreciate like you putting out the good content, raising the bar. Oh no, Ryan, your content is phenomenal. I have like ever since I found you when I first started on YouTube, I'm like, this is so inspiring. You're just so real. And I just love all of your videos and how like open you are on your channel. So, and I appreciate you having me on this interview as well and showing my channel to your subscribers too. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Mm -hmm.